Welcome to You Are Here, the podcast where we have conversations with people who have courageously taken the road less traveled. I'm your host, Rachel Ree, and in each episode, we'll be exploring stories from people who have followed their own path and are living life on their own terms. Know that we're here to meet you where you are and where you'd like to be. This is You Are Here. Hello, welcome friend. I am back this week with a guest who I have known for a couple of years now. Lola Adewuya is the founder of a brand development studio called The Brand Doula. Fun fact, her and her team actually created the branding and website for You Are Here, which you should definitely check out in the show notes. She actually created the first iteration of the website during the pandemic when You Are Here was primarily a virtual community centered around programming around health and wellness topics so we could stay well during such stressful times in 2020. She was so awesome to work with at that time, I reached out to her again, and it really just goes to show the importance of relationship management and also showing the care in the quality of the work that you put out. People will just want to work with you again in the future, and that is what happened with us. Prior to taking the studio full-time, though, she was a product marketing manager at Google up until earlier this year. She will dive into some of her backstory and journey getting to Google, as well as the importance of parallel paths and so much more. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you do, please remember to rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening. And now here we go into the episode. Could you talk a little bit and take a step back in terms of how you got started down this path of design as your profession? Yeah, it's a great question because it wasn't very straightforward. Well, it might have been straightforward to say to other people looking at it, but I definitely didn't know that's where my path was leading. I would say my sort of journey in design started probably back in high school. I used to blog and I was very much like an internet kid. And so I had the tumblers and everything. And as I was transitioning from high school to college, I had like a college blog where I would you know, write about my life and fashion and things on WordPress. And I found myself like as I was doing the blogging more fascinated with the way like my website actually looks than writing blogs. My blog, my mom would be like, you have two blog posts, but you've changed your website five times in the past week. And so that kind of um, would probably be the first inkling that I was really interested in design and like the visual experience of things and how much I appreciated sort of the power of aesthetic when it's paired with really great content. Um, While I was in college, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I had this like dream of being editor-in-chief of like Refinery29 or Teen Vogue, very Devil Wears Prada style, um, but didn't know like how to get there. So I started looking at a lot of editorial writer internships and things like that. Um, And alongside all of those kinds of lists of internships, I kept seeing things like brand partnerships and brand development. And I was like, okay, what is this? Um, So after doing a little bit more research and doing one internship kind of like in social media slash design, I was steered towards that path um, that got far more into brand um, than before. And From there, it was kind of like the rest was history. The first thing I did, I remember when I was trying to apply for actual design internships, I didn't have a portfolio, didn't know what that was. Like the only thing I could show was the like fonts I chose for my own like website. And so I'd be trying to apply and all of the like regulations and things were like, share your portfolio. And I was like, what the heck is that? So 
Um, I actually, one year when I was supposed to have an internship, I went home instead and decided to create my own internship where I would create all of these brands and create my own portfolio in the hopes that I could use that to then apply for those design internships the next year. Um, and what actually ended up happening was I never applied to those internships because I fell in love with just like freelance branding and working with the folks that I wanted to, um, which were primarily kind of black women and women of color who I often didn't see as clients in some of these larger design agencies and didn't see um, their kind of businesses being taken seriously and being given the space to flourish with the right support. So I steered my focus towards creating my own sort of space and studio to help support this this group. And that became the Brandula. And yeah, that's so that's my like design story. And of course, parallel pathing was this oddball like career in corporate that kind of came out of nowhere. And we can get into that <laughs> later. So in college, uh, you had a little bit of an inkling that design was something that you were passionate about, but it's not something that you actually majored in then? No, it wasn't. So I went to Dartmouth, which is not, um, it's a liberal arts college. So they don't have any sort of like pre-professional or sort of like industry focused tracks. So you major in things like sociology, economics, government, these like vague things. There was no business major, um, no design, anything like that. So all of my sort of like design experience or exposure to, to design happened outside of my coursework oftentimes. And I love that because, you know, you basically didn't necessarily have a path from the very beginning and you sort of carved that out. And even though you didn't necessarily have a portfolio and all these internships were saying that you needed one, you kind of created one and mm -hmm. you figured it out yourself. Yeah, that's right. So as soon as you created your own portfolio, you started to kind of delve into the freelance world. What made you decide to now go into what you call a parallel path going into that corporate track? And just if you could explain kind of what that more professional experience looked like as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I went to Dartmouth, so it's an Ivy League school. There was obviously an expectation to do something to have a job afterwards and at the time I was interested in design but I had no actually no concept that I could actually do this full time afterwards I was like this is a fun thing that I'm really interested in and I want these internships because it sounds fun um, and so simultaneously there was a lot of pressure to like figure figure something else out or figure out a career and so um, my first kind of exposure to Google which is where I ended up working was at this um, conference, it was like the Black Ivy League Business Conference. And it was the first time they had put it together, I think, during my sophomore year. Um, and there was a representative from Google who spoke there and she had worked in like the sort of like news brand partnerships space. But she particularly spoke to the Bold Internship Program, which uh, brings together like minority groups to have the opportunity to intern at Google. Um, and what like completely shocked me was when she started talking about things like marketing and creative teams that you could intern for as well. And I don't know why, but I just never thought like, like, yeah, of course, Google has like a marketing team. Like it's not just a bunch of software engineers and things like somebody has to sell these products. Um, and I was like, that's something that I can actually do. And so once I learned that that was an option as well, I, of course, immediately applied. I applied just to see what happened. And I was, I didn't actually apply to any other like sort of internships my junior year, except for that one. 
um, ended up getting that one. It was, it was actually a great time. So then you were still in school interning there. And then it was it just a natural progression as soon as you graduated, then that turned into a full-time job? Yep. So my internship program was kind of like a feeder into a full-time job. So at the end of that summer, you could interview for a full-time role and I ended up getting accepted to come back once I graduated. So then at that point then, really from the very beginning of your career, you were doing both freelance work, freelance design work, and then also kind of learning as you went on this corporate track as well. Yep. Um, I always say like I've never, up until the past couple of months, haven't known anything different from doing these two things at the same time, doing my own thing with design, like freelancing or having a studio, and then pursuing something that I would say is more traditional, whether it was college or doing a corporate career. Yeah. And then when you were at Google, I'm sure you've learned a bunch of different lessons, whether that's in business, in life and productivity and how teams work or or what have you. What were some lessons that you learned on that corporate track that you feel like also fed into kind of this freelance uh, studio at the time uh, that mm-hmm. you were building? Lots of lessons, a lot of lessons. Like I had, <laughs> yeah, I had, I guess, the unique sort of benefit of having these two points of view. I was working for this like global reaching company with what they call like best in class sort of creative and marketing teams while simultaneously working on a studio that was much smaller, working with clients that were playing on a much more kind of local or national level um, and having to sort of like reconcile the two. And so a lot of people kind of assumed that, oh, I, I must be getting so much intel on like how things work at Google that I could use at my studio, the Brandula. And that wasn't necessarily the case just because what works for a company that's working with a $10 million budget oftentimes does not work with a company um, that is working with a $5,000 budget or a $3,000 budget. And so I had to actually use a lot of mental <laughs> mental juice to sort of negotiate like what actually might work and what can I take from my le- like learnings and bring that to my studio and what can I not take. So as far as like what I definitely sort of observed is one, just how like agencies even work with companies and like the how like customer service especially works between the two, um, the client and the agency. Um, what I knew that I wanted the brand to do differently was to have these much kind of closer partnership relationships where it felt like we were really on our on the client's team um people would say that the agencies who that worked with google like there is a google tax like just because we were google they would slap on an extra couple of thousands or tens of thousands of dollars onto the invoice because we could afford it that was something i did not like believe in to do with my own clients and so really like thinking about how I can I create these more um, close and careful and thoughtful relationships with my clients um, to build trust and to really respect the nature of the business and what they were doing. So that was one thing I definitely learned. The second thing is that everybody doesn't know what they're doing. They just, we know, we don't know what we're doing (laughs) and yeah, that's okay. Um, I learned that my job as marketing manager, one thing I did learn was that a marketing manager is not, um, was not like a designer and is not the person who actually say like goes in and creates the social media post or the graphics. We're truly like managers. And so we are, my job was mostly managing 
an agency to do these things. And our job was mostly like around the strategy and determining what actually needed to be done. And so um, I, that was just a thing I learned. I was like a marketing manager is not what you think it is. <laughs> and so that's important to know. Um, on a more like personal kind of career level, just because I started um, like my first kind of two years in corporate was literally an entry-level job. And so one of the biggest lessons I learned was that nobody is going to sort of babysit your career for you and you have to speak up one and two it's okay to want to like your job and to ask for opportunities that will allow you to like your job and so in my first um i my first two years i was in a rotational program um where they assign you like your first role in your first rotation um and i was put in a role that i just did not enjoy whatsoever like it wasn't up my alley in any way was couldn't be further from the actual kind of like marketing and creative work it was kind of like the sort of like operational parts of marketing which absolutely was important but just wasn't my strength and wasn't my interest uh lots of budgets and spreadsheets and I was like guys I didn't even lie or pretend that I could do excel in my <laughs> resume when I submitted <laughs> it so don't know why I'm here um and so for the first year, I was just doing a lot of like, I'm struggling, like just mentally, emotionally, wasn't happy, didn't know if I belonged there. Um, and finally, I kind of spoke up to one of my mentors who I had met during my internship. And she was like, why don't you just tell your manager? Like, why don't you yeah. talk to talk to them and see how, um, see what can be done? And I just had no idea that I could do something like that. Um, I had no idea that. Like I could speak up if I wasn't happy with the progress of my career or even like as early as I was knowing that it wasn't the direction I wanted to take things. Um, and and yeah, so like the most important lesson that she told me was that like my manager was not going to go out of his way to be like, is everything like going super great? Are you happy? Do you want to move to a different role? It's kind of on me to speak up or else they would never know that I am not having a good time. Um, and the other thing I learned was that, like, I think there was a lot of pressure, especially like being a black woman. I was the only one like there's just a lot going on about the pressure to be grateful that you're there and just kind of keep your head down and keep progressing and don't stir anything. But um, that's not necessarily how things have to go. And you can speak up and you can be rewarded for speaking up. And when I did, I was actually shifted to a role that I completely loved for the remaining of my remainder of my rotation. Um, and I'm like super happy that I was encouraged to to do that. So my biggest lesson is like to take your own career and what you want to do into your own hands and validate that for yourselves um, and then share it with others. And you never know who wants to support and help you, you know, take those next steps. Yeah, that's what's so interesting. It's like whether it is in your career, your health, your relationships in any aspect of your life, just knowing the importance of advocating for yourself mm -hmm. and using your voice to speak up for what you believe is right, what's more authentic to yourself. Sometimes all it takes is just asking and you'll be given kind of that chance that you're looking for. Completely. And it seems like you didn't necessarily receive any pushback when you did that. It was just all about knowing that you had the permission to be able to do that. Yeah, totally. Like as soon as I did say something, <laughs> there was like an overwhelming amount of support there wasn't really any I mean like internally I think when I talked to my parents they were like please don't lose your job that's the type of thing but right. 
people who had been working at Google and who knew how Google worked and were, had been there longer, you know, shared an overwhelming amount of, amount of support. As soon as I told my manager, he was like, oh my gosh, like, thanks so much for speaking up and being honest. And he was the one who actually told me, he was like, you know, like, I cannot help you until you speak up and say something. I cannot read your mind. Um, and he was like, it's your responsibility to take care of your career and nurture your career just as much as it is kind of your mentors and even him as a manager. Uh, we all play different roles in, in making sure that you're developing your career the way you want to. So, um, and then he immediately kind of kicked off the process to put me into a different role and like took the time to ask me what experiences I was interested in. You know, you talked about having the brand studio be really focused on people of color. Obviously, that's something that is ingrained with your background as well. You know, how did you know that that was kind of the area of focus that you really wanted to focus on for your business? Yeah, I think it was both intentional and a natural sort of inclination. When I was first starting out with design and trying to get friends and family and folks to like I was, you know, designing their own brands for free. They would have their own like ideas or wanting to start a blog and I was designing them. Um, and so that's where kind of my first set of experience in design came from was working with black women, women of color, because that was who was in my community. And it was never like an issue for me. I loved <laughs> I loved doing it so much. I didn't see like any reason to not continue down that that path. Um, but I do think over time, as I started to really like build out the studio and really think deeply about its purpose and learn more about just the the startup and business environment, it became even more important for me to focus on that group. Um, just knowing like how difficult, especially prior to like that big moment in 2020 when lots of black businesses kind of blew up, um, Prior to, there was very little support. There was very little space for um, Black founders and women of color founders to, one, find people who would understand their audiences. A lot of um, the founders they work with, their audiences are also folks who have been marginalized, who have not prior to have been served by some of the leading or dominant companies in their industry. And so what we find is that when you... Um, work with an agency who doesn't understand the audience or take the time to understand the audience, then you get narratives and branding that just doesn't land. And you also get founders that don't feel seen. Their vision doesn't feel seen um, by their creative service providers. Um, so it is both like emotionally important, just on like a personal, like cultural level to sort of serve your community, but it's also like a literal business sort of problem to not have agencies and creative service providers that have for so long been so focused on the sort of dominant demographic that they are unable to see um, what else could be possible when you open it up. So when I started learning more about those things, I think I was more set on dedicating the Brandula to being um, one of those sort of supporters who could who could bring that lens and actually help these businesses succeed. Um, the other thing was also and still something that I'm constantly navigating is the issue of things like funding and knowledge, even about branding. So sometimes, or a lot of the clients that were coming with, they're bootstrapping their businesses. We're not talking about 
I mean, like less than 1% or like 0.1% of founders of color are funded by VCs. A lot of them are literally paying out of their personal paychecks to fund these businesses. And we're expecting them to compete on the same level that people who have $100 million or even just $10 million of funding. And so um, there's that piece. And also the lack of like a lot of people might not be coming from business schools. They might not be coming from a long lineage of folks who have you know, having entrepreneurs in the family who can tell them, hey, you need this marketing or you need this branding or you need this, um, these ads or photo shoots and all of these things to have a successful business. So there's both knowledge gap and funding gap that we have to be conscious of. And so when you're just kind of going along and building a traditional agency, you may not realize those things. I've been very conscious about things like our pricing and providing kind of educational resources to help folks along the way who may not have been exposed to those resources through other avenues. Yeah, I mean, I can see that you're really passionate about this and it is a part of your ethos and mission of what you're building now. Were you able to kind of voice this perspective and try to sort of shift or influence how decisions were being made with your corporate job at Google? And did you see kind of some of your personal values lead into that corporate side of yourself? Mm, that's a good question. It's interesting. So again, talking about that sort of like dichotomy between in my corporate job, I was an entry level employee by all definitions in my first kind of two years of ever working. Um, whereas in the brand deal, I was, I'm the boss. I get to make those decisions. And so while in the corporate space, I definitely feel like I took on an identity of like the absorbing learning, um, just barely getting into impacting before I was unfortunately laid off. And so I'm not sure that I had been thinking as deeply about like, how can I make these like large ripples as far as how Google approaches things like diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, or even like bringing sort of the the voices, say, like of Black women founders into that space. Um, however, I did really openly share like the work that I did with the Brandula, I kind of positioned it as a sort of passion project. And so I did talk about it very freely and how important it was for me to see more of the entrepreneurship and ingenuity of Black women sort of represented across all spaces. Um, I did also, I would actually say I learned quite a bit from Google as well. Um, lots of sort of guidelines, like learning how to not just have these sort of values in your head, but to actually create documentation and to create real guidelines that put down those values into real sort of standards. And so I'd actually say I took a bit more from Google than I actually gave in that aspect. And I'm grateful for that. And speaking more openly about what you value and what you know, what your mission is, is this something that you felt it was safe enough to be able to speak openly with people in your corporate side of life that you had this side hustle of freelance clients and all of this other design work that you've been building? Yeah, it was a mix. You had to be careful or I would say discerning all my because I had quite a few managers over the time. So all my managers knew this part about me. However, you just have to be careful with how you share it because there are kind of moments where folks may not be as willing to celebrate or accept that you might have other work going on or that you might have 
something amazing going on. I mean, I remember like one particular moment where I was sharing like, you know, this thing that I was so proud of and they were like, well, did you check the guideline to see if this like work you could do this or if you like have a non-compete clause going on? And like, by the way, I had checked and like knew all of the rules and guidelines, but um, there are definitely kind of like moments where it's not always going to be seen as this amazing thing. And that's, you know, that's okay. It's, that's their journey and not mine. Um, but I will say where it mattered as far as getting support from my managers and things, that support was was there and I did feel like free to to speak about that. But I also um, didn't want to create any sort of view that I was not able to do my work at Google because I had other priorities. And so there was never a case where I'd be like, sorry, can't make it to this meeting because I have a client meeting. Like there was never, I would never like kind of create any sort of um, inkling that like that was something that took priority over my corporate work ever. And so I think it's important to also like if you are thinking about, you know, sharing some of the things that you're doing to make sure that you're also doing really great work at the corporate job as well um, and, you know, getting high performance reviews or else it can sort of become an issue. Yeah. And I think that is an important lesson because there are, I'm sure, people that are out there that are in their full-time job, but maybe know that that might not be the long-term path that they are on. It's just the path that they're on right now. And just trying to navigate or figure out how to navigate having a side hustle at the same time as your full-time job can be really tricky. Mm -hmm. I think like my sort of policy was like, don't give people a reason to ask questions about sort of where your priorities are and where your head is at. Like at the end of the day, even regardless of like if you're hoping to transition to this side hustle full time at some point or that like side hustle is something you're super passionate about and you are, yeah, like you love to do it. You do want to recall that sort of the you're being paid for your time at this job and um, there is a certain amount that even just have personal standards of how you want to show up matters as well so there's that piece but I think I'm I was also lucky because the nature of like my work and the way Google kind of operated was that as long as you were getting the work done it wasn't like you had to um, like I see at the TikToks of people say like they have to kind of keep their mouses busy so that they're they, they're like slack and things stays active like that was not the culture at all at my at my job and so there wasn't like a situation where somebody was like oh my gosh, like you seem like you're not active. Like, are you doing other work? It wasn't like that as well. So I was able to just manage my schedule privately um, and ensure that I was present in both kind of my business and that job. And so you did now talk a little bit about how you were laid off. So I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. So did you have any idea that layoffs were coming? Um, what was your sort of initial feeling when you heard the news? Yeah, I have no idea. I knew I it was in the midst of a lot of layoffs were happening throughout tech. There was sort of a lot of um, anxiety like within the company. But the general narrative was like Google never does layoffs. They didn't do layoffs back in 2008. This couldn't have been this can't be worse than what happened at that period. And so everyone like was sort of assuring everyone that this wouldn't happen. So I had no idea. I was very naive. I know like some of my friends were suspicious enough to be like, come on, like 
some of the, their biggest kind of competitors have done the layoffs, like something has to be coming. But I just like did not even think that was a thing. Um, so definitely came as a complete surprise, um, even to I, I don't know if you, you kind of like were able to see the LinkedIn post and things, but people all the way up to kind of director and VP levels were laid off without warning or knowledge. And so it definitely it definitely was like a surprise across the board. It wasn't really like we didn't get any warning email or anything like that. After the shock and surprise of just hearing the news, how did you receive the message? Were you accepting of it? Did you internalize any of it at any point? Or were you just, you know, this is happening across the board and more matter of fact in the way that you approached it? Yeah, I mean, it was the, all of the emotions that you could possibly have. Uh, when I first heard the news, like, I think that's, that was probably like the most shocking news I've ever had in the, my like, short 20 I was 23 at the time and turned 24 five days after so it's 23 years of my life um so got to witness what does Lola do when she's in shock but definitely a lot of tears and I was super surprised but so like I think this through this whole conversation I've been talking about this like dual experience and parallel paths so while I was crying and boohooing and all of this stuff I was like wait a minute I can just do the Brandula full time. And I'm like, so grateful I have this business one, but two, this is something that I've been wanting to do since I started really at, at Google or something that I had the idea to do was to end up doing this, this studio thing full time. And so that softened the blow a little bit, I would say. Um, but even in the, the weeks after, there was just a lot of coming to terms with like struggling to, to see or to, to adapt this new identity that Google did not exist in anymore. I think for the longest time, it, like my sort of life had been leading up to it, being a high achieving person and going to one of the top schools and then getting one of like the top jobs in the world. Like there is a natural sort of narrative you build about yourself and an identity that comes with it. It was something you, you're proud to share. And I, I should be, I should have been proud to share that I worked there um, and had accomplished that. Um, and so to kind of have that so swiftly removed, there was definitely work I had to do to understand sort of like now what my self-image was without it. And I certainly didn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm nothing without Google. It was just different. I was suddenly just, not just, but I was suddenly a founder, which is something I never led with in, in introductions. I would be like, oh, I work at Google and I also have this thing on the side. Suddenly I'm a founder of the brand, like I'm an entrepreneur and that's what I do now. And um, it was, it felt weird, you know, coming out of my mouth. So like, those are some of the new things that I had to deal with. There was also... A question of what's next as far as do I pursue, continue to pursue a career in corporate? I was going down, I think, even just the last couple of months leading up to the layoffs, I had actually gotten to a point where I envisioned sort of like, you know, three, five years down the line where I was going. I really wanted to go down a path of like brand marketing and leveraging the experience at Google to kind of work at a startup afterwards and things. And the way that I had abruptly left, especially without having finished my my rotational program, kind of felt like it would be a struggle to find another role after that. And like not to get into the technical details, but the marketing manager kind of career path, you start off as associate and then go into like regular kind of product marketing manager, brand marketing manager. And that difference in associate versus 
getting the associate taken off is a really big difference in the industry because not a lot of, especially during that time of layoffs, companies were not looking for associates. They were not looking for entry-level marketers. They wanted someone with that next level of experience. And I was kind of on the promotion track. I was supposed to have gotten that title in March of like right afterwards. Um, And so felt like a big blow. And I was like, oh, I feel like a door has been closed before I was ready to have actually closed that door. And, and yeah, it was kind of like this sort of bittersweet moment where I was like, well, I wanted to do the brand deal full time, but on my own accord and on my own time. And because I chose to not because that was my only option at that point. But since then I've kind of allowed to allowed myself to kind of re reconfigure that narrative to be like, well, maybe this is where you need to be. And this is kind of um, where the universe is pushing you to really build your story and where your time and effort is needed right now. So um, I've sort of come to accept that maybe at the moment, corporate is not even the space that I need to be in anymore. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you did allow yourself a moment to breathe just for a, a minute and think, you know, should I just go down that corporate or corporate slash startup sort of brand marketing role that you had maybe envisioned for yourself three to five years from now and maybe fast track it and go down that path now? Or is it a matter of, you know, maybe now is the time to kind of seize this time in your life and go full force into your own founder journey? Yeah, it was. Well, so I still did (laughs) all throughout all this time because I never like took a break truly from the randula. I just like went straight into it. So it was throughout, I was still kind of like working, but then having all of that, those emotions and working through it and those, yeah, lots of decisions that had to be made. I do kind of wish I had taken more of a time, a more concrete time off from both, mm-hmm. but part of it was kind of like a, a, a bit of a distraction, I would say, to continue working. Um, but I definitely still did a lot. I think the past six months was still like a lot of deep thought and really figuring out what I wanted. So I still had that space um, and learning a lot about myself within that period as well. Um, And so since then, I feel like your team, though, and what you're building with the brand doula has definitely scaled and grown. You do have a team Mm -hmm. of designers. Maybe you always did, but it seems like it's a little bit more robust now from what I can tell. Um, How did you know when the right time was for you to scale as a solopreneur to now having a team of designers? Yeah, that's a good question. I've I've not always had a team, but I think since like 2020 was when I made my first sort of like ever contract hire was a virtual assistant. And from there, I'd been kind of like having, you know, designers and assistants and things here and there. But it was definitely not until I was laid off that one of the the things I had always wanted to have was a team and for it to feel like a team regardless of whether they were like full-time employees or just contractors, I wanted to have a studio with really deep capabilities to have that creative collaboration, et cetera. So one of the first things that pulled me back into a state of excitement was the idea of developing a team. And so the team that I have now, I'm in love with, I'm so happy with. Um, Half of them were kind of cultivated just during the process of building the Brandula, like folks on my team have been there now for like two plus years and a couple of them were also new and I think the first kind of hires that I made were coming from a place of like I need help I'm doing a whole full-time job and then trying to basically had two full-time jobs and I need help and so that's why 
you'll see like a lot of my hires were an assistant or some junior designers to kind of pull some of the responsibilities and think like weight off of my shoulders. That changed when I lost that other full-time job and technically I had a lot more time. I didn't need as much say like the support, but I really wanted that sort of creative collaboration. I wanted to see the magic that was created when we have more kind of creative minds in the room. I just, I didn't want all of the, I didn't want the brand deal to be attached solely to my brain and my output. I wanted to see what would happen when there were more folks involved. Um, I also made kind of decisions that would expand our capabilities, like hiring someone who would allow us to start offering marketing management to, and in this case, I say marketing management, like she's actually doing the social media and things like that. Um, but yeah, allowing us to do marketing management for our clients and more. So there was like this shift where I was building a team because I thought it was kind of just, it was part of the studio's almost ethos and the way I wanted it to operate versus coming from a place of sort of like desperation and need, um, as I did earlier on in the brand doula. One thing actually to kind of go back to the tech layoffs that you had experienced. And also I think the layoffs are continuing across various mm -hmm. industries and, um, you know, I'm not paying as much attention to what the unemployment numbers are. And I think that those aren't necessarily maybe as accurate, but that's another story. Um, but you know, there's a lot of just disruption, I think in a lot of people's, you know, livelihoods. Um, what is something that you think now you wish you knew during that moment of when you first got laid off. Yeah, I mean, um, I would definitely say take a break, like take a real break. Um, and when I was laid off, I wasn't trying to hear anything positive. Like I was just not in that state. And so a lot of people would be like, oh, this will be a blessing in disguise and all those things. And genuinely when you're laid off, like that's not what you're trying to hear in the moment. Um, and another thing that you'll hear is, hey, you can use this time now to get a break. And this might be the only time that you may get a break like this from working. Um, and you may not want to hear it in the moment, but it might be helpful for you if you are financially able, if there was, say, severance or um, some savings, to at least just take one to two weeks to just reset and take care of yourself without the burden of working and doing things for other people, if it's possible. I do wish I had taken that time to do it. So that's one thing. I think another thing is to find some sort of support system. I hired a coach at the time, like a little bit after I was laid off and just having the space to be like, I must have been laid off because I suck. And my coach was like, that is simply not true. Like it was though the layoffs were um, across the board. Like that's not the truth. Somebody to really like kind of logically be there and help guide you into your next steps and things is also very helpful. So it could be sort of therapy or coaching, whatever it might be to just sort of be a different voice in your head than maybe some of the um, some of the other kind of natural, but maybe not um, super productive voices that might be currently going on in your head. So I would say that piece. And then three, I would say, I would probably say just like think about what it is that you do want to do next and try, it's easier said than done, but try to move from a place of 
what's the opportunity rather than what do I have to do now to pick up the pieces or what do I feel like I have to do to get the next job? Despite there being tons of layoffs, there are, I always say there's lots of ways to make money. Money is everywhere. Um, And so this might be your one opportunity again to think about maybe a different way that you might want to make money. And this is kind of like your refresh opportunity. So potentially if it's something that suits you, um, you can start thinking about how you want to go about it. Yeah, I think that's really important because I do think that, you know, when people hear shocking news, whatever it might be, but, you know, for example, a layoff or maybe they get fired or what, whatever the story is, um, a lot of times I think people can go into this mode of, okay, got to hurry up and find something. But really, you kind of went the opposite way of like investing in yourself and getting a coach thinking about what the next step is in your journey and kind of recreating and redefining what your career and professional life look like. And so taking that moment to kind of just reflect a little bit seems like it's a really important piece to the journey. Yeah. And I would also say, depending on, like for me, it was a complete shock for others. It might not have been one, a shock or two, that bad of a thing for them. But like, I would say eight months later, I'm like just now kind of really feeling better and comfortable and like still at this point if you get me around some of my friends who were also laid off we will definitely like still talk about it and there's still definitely still like emotions there and so I will also say like it might take longer than you really think that it will to recover and I know that there's a lot like our current sort of cultural state especially um, among the folks my age in this like young 20s where everybody is like I don't care about work or I don't want to to work. I don't dream of work and things. Um, don't be frightened if when something like this happens, you discover that maybe you do still have some emotions attached to the work that you do for eight hours a day or more or less. Um, and that you may still have an emotional reaction um, to losing a job, whether or not you did like it or whether or not you feel like, you agree with the predominant culture that says like you shouldn't care about the work that you do. Um, so that's one thing that I would I would say is that you might surprise yourself. Of course. Yeah. And I think that's only natural. I mean, if you are spending 40 plus hours mm-hmm. working somewhere, you know, whatever that relationship looked like, good, bad or ugly, it has some sort of effect on how you process what your decision making is or how you just view the world in a lot of ways. And now that you are full-time with the brand doula, would you say that you are more in alignment and more in a path that feels true to you? Totally, 100%. Um, It's like the brand doula is challenging. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is a lot. But the challenge feels so much more rewarding and more like fulfilling than some of the challenges that I was encountering in my corporate job. And that's kind of how I knew that this is a better path for me. There are, there are days that I wake up and I absolutely feel relief that this is the thing that I get to do um, and that I don't have, despite kind of still feeling sadness and things every now and then. But the fact that I don't have to kind of go back to that job sometimes gives me some relief. And I just sit back like as I'm, playing around with color palettes and fonts and things like that. And I'm like, wow, I get to do this <laughs> for for money is like pretty, pretty wild and pretty cool. So um, I do feel like I 
despite how it happened, I'm like on a path that is so much better for me. Well, I always admire and get inspiration from people who are on a founder journey. It's a hard one and it's not something that is necessarily linear, like you were mentioning of, you know, going from associate PMM to then PMM and, you know, sort of that that track is laid out for you. And it's certainly not like that in the entrepreneurial no. path. I had actually <laughs> been thinking about this a lot because I had just gotten out of this job where the steps were very clear. I was like, being a founder is different because I'm technically like an entry-level founder almost. Like I'm a beginner at this. And although like this founder job, I'm like I said, the boss or the CEO, there are still a lot of things that you have to learn. And there are different levels of experience to this sort of role. And so kind of giving myself a little bit of grace and being like, hey, you're only like a couple of years into this. You're only a couple of years out of college, like despite you being in this leadership position just by default of because you have the idea there's still things that you can learn and so I've been actually trying to just internally like study sort of the paths of other founders and like chart out like what are the different growth steps that you can look out for or aim for to kind of give myself a little bit of structure in this this journey and also give myself a measurement of success um one of the things that I think gets missed a lot especially if you don't like there are some folks who go straight into entrepreneurship or founderhood without having worked a corporate job and there can be things missing like that leadership development culture like how to build a team culture and things like that um that you maybe didn't get to witness like in a corporate space which corporate space is not always the the place you want to be taking notes from necessarily but um it can be a good place to see like how do these large companies scale and grow and what's the leadership required um so some of the the things that I like I'm trying to think about very carefully is what kind of leader do I need to be like those are the kinds of courses and things that I'm more interested in taking right now it's realizing like that's now my role more so than designer or like brand strategist or social media manager and things like now I am the leader of a company and so that sort of like lesson is very different. When you say that, that you are a leader of a company, how does that make you feel? It's really wild. It's like <laughs> very, it feels like um, exciting on one end, but also like very scary. But I'm somebody who likes, I like to be the least kind of knowledgeable person in a room and like be like, oh my gosh, there's so much that I can learn. I like to be in that learning stage. So um, I was actually during my coaching that, I was like, oh, my new kind of identity or thing to develop is that sort of leadership portion. That made me so excited because I was like, I feel like I've I've done the brand design thing. Like I can design in my sleep. I don't know how much left I have to learn from there. But that leadership piece sounds really interesting and something that, of course, like didn't really was entry level employee at my corporate job. I obviously was like not a manager, not in those manager courses and things like that. So the prospect of being able to to learn and expand that way now has made me re-engaged in kind of the brand deal and excited about that work. That's what I'm finding uh, to be a very common theme with all the conversations that I'm having with people is that it's very important to come to the table with a almost beginner mindset or like a growth mindset to always be curious and to always want to be learning and broadening your skill set and finding those 
areas of opportunity to grow in whatever way that is. Yeah, that's how you stay interested and excited about the work you're doing. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Lola, for taking the time out. And everyone, please make sure to check Lola and the Brandula out on Instagram and also on your website. Yeah, thanks for listening, y'all.